Penn State Conversations is a podcast produced by the Donald P. Bellisario College of Communications. Episode topics range from the people, programs, and events that shape the Bellisario College to discussing key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this episode of Penn State Conversations. This episode of the podcast features assistant teaching professor Kevin Hagopian. So it's award season in Hollywood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that an exciting season for, for a film faculty member and a film, you know, yeah. someone who appreciates film? It is, and it's, it's interesting that it's only within the last 10 years or so that I think we've been able to talk about something called awards season, um, where either entities uh, like the crafts and guilds, like the Screen Directors Guild, um, or Directors Guild of America, excuse me, um, uh, the uh, Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA, um, where sometimes these entities have have given awards in the past, but they haven't made a spectacle of it. And of course, the 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 uh, the granddaddy and the uh, grandma of all of this is the Oscars, and um, so the more um, the the more we get another awards show, the more it encourages other awards-giving entities either to invent um, uh, a set of awards, or it, it uh, encourages other organizations to invent awards, uh, or to um, make a bigger spectacle of the awards they give. And uh, some of those, like the Independent Spirit Awards, for instance, have really, uh, which are awards given to um, the better independent films, of course, of the of the year, have really helped, I think, to stretch the the public's understanding of film art. Um, I love the fact, for instance, that um, the Screen Actors Guild gives uh, an ensemble cast award. Um, that that kind of thing um, is is the public's encounter with at least a version of what we do here at Penn State in terms of film studies. It gets people to think um, more uh, more profoundly about um, n- not just the individual movies that they like, but um, the art of the art of filmmaking. So I think it's it is a really exciting time, and increasingly, um, and you see this very much with the Oscars, there. There are films making it onto the short lists, that is the list of, of nominees, that otherwise would would not have a mainstream audience. Or you know, they're just films that are appearing either uh, from international sources or from the margins of the Hollywood cinema industry that the, um, the award itself or the nomination is their... Um, their ticket to a larger audience, and that's all to the good. Do you? How do you consume the awards shows? Mm-hmm. Do you watch them as much as you watch the films? I I, I typically uh, will watch the Oscars, but I tend to um, I'm I'm more um, I'm kind of in for myself. I'm I'm more about the the payoff for the for the other. Uh, awards shows, and frankly, I'm I'm less interested in the winners than I am in the nominees. Again, I'm I'm kind of trying my best to keep a, a big picture mentality about um, you know what 
what nations, for instance, are um, starting to develop uh, industries where film industries where there is that that are really hitting that sweet spot where they're they're not only making popular cinema for their own audiences, but they're also making um, really quality artistic films that um, that might um, have a an international audience. Iran is a really good example of of that kind of a film industry. So yeah. On the Oscar nominations, mm -hmm. what, what do they say about? Do you see, having looked at those? Mm -hmm. Do you see a trend there, or do you what? what is there a, a, an arc line through there about what they say about us? Well, I, I think it, there's there's all kinds of good news. Um, the most important is is the internationalizing of the awards themselves reflects um, uh, the internationalizing of uh, of movie tastes for people. Um, there's always been a fair amount of um, complaining. Some of it. Uh, good-natured and some of it really incisive about um, the the so-called Hollywood film industry's um, domination of screens in other countries, and and I say so-called because um, the Hollywood film industry has has all always been a global industry from its from its beginnings. Literally during World War One, it began to be especially globalized, um, but. There's finally traffic, a lot of traffic, in the other direction, where we're we're getting films um, several years ago, like Old Boy, uh, The Host, um, and uh, most recently Parasite, all from South Korea, um, that are finding um, something like uh, mainstream audiences in the U.S. aided by ways of circulating film other than just movie theaters. Um, streaming services, so that's it's it's the internationalization of um, of again I keep using the word mainstream, but I'm speaking now of lots of people, including myself as a movie goer, um, where the 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 awards um, the Oscars have have I think really driven a greater internationalizing of the 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 domestic screen space in America. In terms of the nominees, mm -hmm. and that international perspective mm -hmm. is great, the other thing we hear is who wasn't nominated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether they be male or female, or, or how diverse they are or right. aren't. The nominees come from other members of the Academy, correct? They do, they do. So when we try to broaden that from to society, yeah. How dangerous is that, or or is it correct? You know, when they yeah, say, yeah. "Hey, Oscar's so white." Well, the folks that nominated them are sitting in the audience. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. if you were to go to the stage and say, "Hey, could you, how, it, it, how do you wrestle a, with that, or what does that mean, if it, anything?" Well, I think it. I think it's. I think it's very significant, but maybe not in a in a really simple way. In other words, um, I I don't think anybody would feel like um, that either the cause of art. Or the cause of social justice would be solved by would would be solved by some um, uh, good-natured quota system of some kind. Um, but but the fact that it matters is um, the the fact that the representation of uh, racial and and gendered 
um, minority populations in, in the body of uh, nominees, the fact that it matters shows how important the movies are. Um, it wouldn't matter what that movie was about, um, you know, Moonlight, for instance, Barry Jenkins' film. It, it's, it's not so much what the film is about as the fact that um, that audiences feel a stake in the process um, in this in this very important representational process um, by having a member of their um, ethnic or identity group as you know the named filmmaker, but so so I think that that just speaks to how important movies are um, as as a symbolic um, as a, as a as a, as a symbolic icon or, or or node in our in our popular culture, I I think what's m more actually important than that than whether or not a director, for instance, was um, female or male or transgendered or African American or um, Chinese American or whatever is the is you know are the trends in um, the general diversity of the Hollywood industry in particular. So it's not just are we getting more um, female directors, it's also are we getting more female grips and electricians and casting agents and um, uh, people on the uh, financial and bonding side of the industry. Um, are we getting uh, a greater uh, international representation in those areas. So, because movies are, um, yes, they're a director's medium, and yes, they're a writer's medium, but they're fully collaborative. And the more, um, the more diversity we generate, not only from the top down, but from the, from the bottom up, um, the last credits, not just the first credits that you see uh, at the end of a film, um, I think the, the better that is because it, in the long run, is going to give us, I hope, um, a different, um, a, just a wider variety of, of movies being seen. When the Oscar nominations are out, do you, do you, how do you look at them and then do you go back and say, okay, now I've got to see this before it happens? Oh, absolutely. What's your process? Yeah, again, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not any different than any other um, movie viewer. Um, in, in that sense. For instance, uh, this time around, although I had, I had been planning to, I hadn't seen 1917. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, last week, uh, me and everyone else in State College lined up to see 1917, and I'm very happy to say that it was sold out, which is, which is a good sign. Um, particularly for a movie that has a visual spectacle, um, to, to jump to a question that um, not just you, Steve, but lots of people ask me, um, is, you know, do you think movies should only be seen in movie theaters? And sometimes I think they're hoping that my answer will be yes, but it's really no. I don't think that that's a necessity. Um, I think it's a real advantage when you have um, movies that are, are physically epic, like 1917, or... Um, visually so intriguing and um, eccentric, like Roma, 
um, a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, then it really helps to have um, more space and high quality projection and um, a rich audio environment. Um, but I'm just happy that more people are seeing a greater variety of movies than, than ever before. At least, at least we have the opportunity to do that. Um, I just received an email from a Penn State graduate of, of several years ago who's working in the media industries. And he said, I still find myself uh, watching the movies that are uh, put in front of me via large advertising budgets than I do searching for for movies at the margins and he was he was kind of joking with me and saying I'm the guy who's supposed to uh, be able to find these and be interested in finding these more um, you know eccentric and obscure movies so I think there is um, still I mean I have the same concern as as a lot of people which is it's really exciting to see the latest blockbuster but um, as filmmakers uh, just recently I saw an interview with uh, Renee Zellweger, um, whose film Judy is one of several films um, with really spectacular performances nominated this in this Oscar cycle. C you know, she was concerned, um, and, and I am concerned, that um, the, the interest, the cultivated interest in blockbusters does tend to take a lot of the air out of um, out of the room. Um, in multiplexes, um, the latest Star Wars episode, for instance, will will often take up not just one screen, but two or three screens at the same time. And um, it's just my hope that um, there'll be a greater pressure from audiences, because that's where it'll need to come from, um, to simply have a more diverse selection of movies available. On the flip side of that, mm -hmm. what, what's your sense of the Oscars, the Academy's challenge, mm -hmm. with honoring or not blockbusters, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, whether it's the Avengers, whether it's Star Wars, sure. you know, they they rest, they've added nominees to, to make the show, the presentation yeah. more appealing. Mm -hmm. And then when people go, when more people, many so many people see those, and then they're not reflected in the award show. What's your sense mm -hmm. of that mm -hmm. balance? And they're wrestling with. Well, there? it's. I think it's important to remember that while the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is not the same organization as it, it's not a it's not technically the trade organization of the motion picture industry um, that's the motion picture association of america what but they do fun the the academy does function as a kind of an auxiliary to the hollywood film industry and one of the and one of the um, it, it certainly began that way. Let's put it. Let's put it that way. It, it, the Oscars, the the Academy, uh, n never had in mind, as um, never imagined when it was founded that it would serve as broad a cultural function as it as it serves now, and that it would be the source of such um, or the 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 site of such um, concern about issues beyond the screen, like social justice. So um, one of, the, th the, one of the, the theories behind um, the, the question of nominations has always had to do with, okay, well, yes, we're recognizing film art, but let's also 
realize that our success has been as a as a as an event and as a show and as news has been so extraordinary that we're going to drive um, admissions for films that come into a second release as the result of the nominations. And so the thinking has always been: um, do does does um, does the rise of Skywalker need our help to get people to see it? Um, those are movies, the Harry Potter franchise, for instance, um, the entire Marvel um, and DC um, families of films. Those are films which are described as critic-proof. Um, no one is going to, to be... Uh, no one is going to breathlessly open their New York Times site to see whether the Times liked The Rise of Skywalker. Um, and likewise, uh, a, a nomination is not going to affect their their fortunes. So in the past, there has been often a, a kind of a, um, a prejudice against the blockbuster films. Um, on the other hand, they've never had any difficulties with scoring nominations in some of the technical areas, which is just as it should be. Um, my own opinion of Rise of Skywalker is that it's one of the most um, visually stunning films I've ever seen. So I think it's, I, I think the Academy voters are trying to do what, what any of us who have ever been faced with a lot of over, overqualified applicants for a short number of, of spots. They're, tr they're trying to do their best. And I think um, recently in the last, I would say, 10 years or so, there's been a, a recognition of that prejudice. Like, you know, ironically, we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't condemn the latest Marvel movie because of its popularity. If um, the sound mix or the acting or the makeup um, and hairstyle uh, attributes of that movie were good, well, we should recognize it. Is there, among this year's nominees, mm -hmm. movies and, and, and top, what we consider, you know, generally top categories, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is there um, a stone-cold lock in there for you? Something when you saw it, you said, oh yeah, this is, well, you know, I, when, this, when it comes time, when the show's yeah. on Sunday night, this is going to win, no doubt about it. Is there anything in, in the categories there that you think rises to that level? Um, I, I would say that in the acting... Um, in the acting awards, um, Renee Zellweger's Judy, um, and I'm going to hedge my bets here, um, Os Oscar always likes um, character plays, and by that I mean movies that would be unimaginable without their, um, without their central, without their protagonist, and wherein we see the, the most radical changes and emotional swings being demonstrated on the screen. Um, the Betty Davis part is what I would call that. And I think in the case of Judy, Renee Zellweger's performance is pretty hard to um, is pretty hard to top in that area. But if you look at the uh, Golden Globes, it was topped by Aquafina in Farewell, which is a completely different um, performance, um, a very uh, subtle and restrained performance. And Aquafina's performance in Farewell, and many people are complaining about this, was not nominated for an Oscar. So um, the last time I hit on all four major categories 
1979. Um, so if people are looking to make money off of Hagopian's prognostications, I think they should. They'd be better. They'd be. They would be better off asking their three-year-old. Is there a nomination in those top nomination in those top four categories that surprised you? Can I look at my cheat sheets? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, of the of the of the big categories. Um, well, first of all, I love the I love the expansion of um, the best picture nominees to to a, a longer list than the ancestral five. Um, <clears throat> I guess the 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 fact that. A, a movie that I would call up um, a small movie in which nothing happens, um, Marriage Story, I think is 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 a really nice surprise and a um, and a and a recognition of of a filmmaker Noah Baumbach who's been um, very well known among independent filmmakers among people who are real um, because he's he's a writer director a who are real curators of um, of uh, some people have even called them miniature films, films about a few characters um, in a in a tiny narrative space. So that that was a nice surprise. Um, Parasite, I think, was it, it's an it's an excellent film, and I'm I'm just thrilled that it it's been nominated. Um, I'm like everybody else; I'll grouse in a particular year, you know. My film didn't make the list, um, but *Parasite* is is uh, is a film that I think is um, absolutely worthy and a, and a, and an example of a really creative choice by a an institution that not so long ago was criticized for um, intolerance of um, any foreign films outside of Europe. So that that's one. I guess I would also um, uh, Jonathan Price in the Two Popes, um, an example of it, somebody could come could come right back and say, well, Oscars always had a fondness for um, English actors, mm -hmm. and that's and that's true. But Jonathan Price is one of, is is really an actor's actor, um, and I'm glad to see him get a nomination after all of these years. Is there somebody you're rooting for in all this? I mean, not, Gosh, after mm -hmm. all those years, but mm -hmm, is there mm -hmm. someone that, that if they won, you'd be like, okay. Oh, yeah, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a film historian, so I do tend to appreciate those awards like um, years ago, um, Paul Newman's Best Actor Award, after quite a few nominations, um, that did seem to be, quote, for the body of work. Um, but... Um, I, I always want to make sure that the, the performance itself is memorable enough so that when audiences see it, twenty or thirty years from now, when that person's um, uh, sentimental status has has sort of evaporated, that they would be able to say, you know, this is really a good this is really a good performance. And um, again, I'm going to cheat here a little bit. Laura Dern is, you know, is absolutely. Um, my choice for that, um, and I think her performance in *Marriage Story* is 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 um, is really good. Um, none of her performances have ever been extravagant, um, have ever been um, uh, Meryl Streep in scope and size. So I think *Marriage Story* is a really good index of a 
um, of a talent that often gets overlooked because the emotional effects that she presents are so subtle. So I'm, I'm just um, thrilled to see her name in the list, and yeah, I hope she wins. Both Marriage Story and Two Popes, mm -hmm. Netflix. Mm -hmm. yeah. We talked earlier about the screen size. You know, nobody is seeing a Netflix film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless they've got a screen room. Right. And even uh -huh. then, so could you circle back to that, the, the, whether it's the intimacy or what can mm -hmm. matter about a screen size and, and a smaller viewing audience, if it's just you at your home or yeah. you and a couple people? Well, the, the, the question of the smaller viewing audience is not only, you know, a, a important for you and I as we're sitting, you know, maybe with two or three friends and watching a movie in our, in our basement on our screen, but it's all, it also factors into um, the, the decision about greenlighting something. Um, Netflix, even as big as Netflix is, it can still, it can still consider itself um, a, a niche um, production company. It can, uh, um, something like Marriage Story is simply easier for them to do given their, um, their production and distribution model and the ways in which they seek profits than it is for a so-called major studio to do. Um, and in a way, um, the streaming services were previewed by the decision now 20 years ago or more from the so-called major distribution companies to open up themselves art film or, or niche sub-entities like Fox Searchlight Pictures to, to handle the unique advertising and marketing and booking needs um, and even the unique, yeah, the unique producing needs of smaller scale films that aren't going to get audiences in the many, many millions, but that are in fact, that do get good return on investment for the, for the, for the money spent on them and that hit, um, frankly, um, demographics that are more valuable um, than, the, than the mass audience for the latest Star Wars episode. You know, we could do much more on Oscars, but I want to finish with a big, broad question. Okay. Why do movies matter? Mm. You, you teach hundreds of yeah, students yeah. a year. You've been consuming it for years in many forms yourself. Yes. Uh -huh. It's clearly a love, yeah. and, and, and we clearly care. Society cares. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. why do they matter? I, th I think they matter. Um, gosh, uh, it is. It's a. It's a great question. Um, I think uh, movies matter because of because of the stories they tell and the and the vividness with which those stories are told. Um, movies marshal so many different artistic, um, t so many different arts in this, and, and and put them all on the screen together. Um, you know, uh, visual design, audio design, performance, etc. Those are things that I and, uh, and other people have talked about as being an attraction of the movies. But I think there's all. But I think um, award season shows that there's also an attraction about um, our our ability and our interest in curating movies. That is, to to be able to talk about our tastes in movies is something that is possible. Um, and enjoyable for absolutely everyone. It does not 
you know, I'm, I, I don't want to write myself out of a job here, but it does not require a college education, even a co and certainly it doesn't require a college education in the study of film, in order to be um, an informed and enthusiastic and confident um, uh, collector virtually of movies and a curator of movies and a connoisseur of movies. It's, um, it's an area, I think um, sports is exactly, is, is, the, is the only parallel where um, it's a, it is simultaneously a mass, um, uh, an, uh, so, something that's available to us en masse, but at the same time capable of being treated um, as an expert's um, as an expert's domain, and as 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 you know, as we know here in the college with our sports journalism program, um, people are people are not shy about electing themselves experts in sports. Um, nor is anyone shy, nor should they be shy, about electing themselves an expert in what's a good movie. Um, so I think it's it's um, it's the stories that movies tell, um, and the the vividness, uh, the emotional um, grasp that movie techniques have, that techniques and other art forms don't necessarily have. I think that's a big part of it. But I also think people um, love to be curators. They love to be connoisseurs. That's why social media. Um, asks us our likes. It's not just curious. It knows that um, that those likes have implications, and that they're a great way of answering the question: What kind of a person are you? Well, I'm the kind of person who likes Roma, or I'm the kind of person who likes um, uh, the Harry Potter franchise, or I'm the kind of person um, who likes Marriage Story. Cool. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Penn State Conversations. For more information about the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications, including the latest news and upcoming events, visit belisario.psu.edu or find us on social media at PSU Belisario on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.